Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry, joining me virtually from Hedgesville, West Virginia, Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you today? I'm doing all right. I will take that every day of the week and twice <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> so I've got a big breaking news for you. The losing streak is over in New England. We finally. have finally won a game. And yes, I count a game against the Jets because by God, they needed that win. <laughs> and there was a significant portion of that game where I was not sure they were going to get it. Yeah, uh, through the updates that uh, you were giving me, I was, I was, uh, I was skeptical as well. It, it was compounded with me because I just got off a four-hour drive to Columbus, Ohio, and I'm like, I really just sat in the car anticipating this game for this. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like, great. Thanks, guys. Really made my night. Yeah, really, really made my night there. <laughs> TV in the place I was staying had a really, really awkward glare on it, so I could hardly see stuff. I had to move the angle. It was like it was not, it was not the best environment. But I wasn't why I was there. So you know, it is what it is, I guess. But the bottom line is they won the game, and I told you after the fact, this was Cam's best game as a Patriot. We'll get to that in a second, but. It was his best game, and what I want to know is you didn't you I, you got fed my updates, mm-hmm. but when you look at this win, what does this win mean for the Patriots? I mean, first off, it means that they're not the worst team in the AFC East, which is always nice, <laughs> you know. Um, and at this point, I'll take it. I mean, my my philosophy when I used to run track was don't be last, um, and. You know the Patriots are basically sticking to to that motto this year. Don't don't be last. And frankly, I'll take it at this point. Fair enough. Uh, if they'd lost the Jets, I told my dad like, if we lose the Jets, pack up the whole season, just tell everyone else in your schedule we forfeit and move on the next year. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, you're done. And look, I'll be honest with you. I saw that Joe Flacco was starting that game, and I'm thinking we're gonna have ourselves a day on defense. And he played really well. The Jets had, the Jets have three playmakers. All of a sudden, that constitutes an offense for them. <laughs> now, granted, the Patriots have one, but that one is a former MVP who actually played pretty well. So, it's not. I I, I did not expect the Jets to play the manner in which they did in the first half. I'm, I, I told you in that same text, if the Patriots defense had come to play that first half, they would have blown the game out. The offense can move the ball. They didn't score a whole lot in the first half, but the offense moved the football. They just weren't coming up when they needed to. So I, I felt good about the offense. I just wondered if the defense was going to get enough stops, and they finally did. Mm-hmm. So when I look at, um, at, at this game, the, the, there are two people that stand out to me. Number one is Cam Newton. The other one is Jacoby Myers. I, this was Cam's best game as a Patriot. He had uh, he didn't turn the ball over. He was complete. He was completing passes when arguably he shouldn't have. Uh, he made throws that a former MVP makes, and he and made he, it to a lot of guys. And he was definitely covered in butter this week from the highlights that I saw. The dude was avoiding sacks like crazy. Yeah, he was. You're right. I mean, I he absolutely the- was. I watched the big one, and the guy basically grabbed his the back of his helmet, and he, and which that would have you know constituted penalty if someone caught it, at least 
if I remember correctly, he don't he had basically grazed it, and then he pretty much ducks his way out of it, and then manages to dodge another guy, and still tosses the ball for a first down, I believe. Yep. Um, and I was like, wow. I mean, I knew he was agile. I'd seen that, you know, against Seattle, where he pretty much did not go down. Um, so that was that was fun to see because it seemed like he was getting his rhythm back. Uh, whereas the last couple of weeks, especially you know, since coming back from the COVID list, he it seemed like he COVID made him forget what football was. I've got a new nickname for him: Popcorn, covered in butter. <laughs> no, I want popcorn. Oh well. Uh, so, yeah, and the other person that stood out had himself a coming out party on his birthday, no less, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, to me, proved he belongs in this offense in that game. Mm-hmm. I think Jacoby Myers became – he and Demir Bird are now the two biggest uh, P, uh, receivers Cam trusts. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, if you have two now, you can build on that. Definitely. Definitely, and hopefully, you know, Harry gets brought back into the mi- oh, brought back into the mix once he he's out off his recovering from his concussion. But uh, I mean, those two definitely uh, have stepped up, especially uh, Myers now. But Bode has been consistent um, since a few weeks ago, and it's nice to see that trust being built and the um, you know they're really starting to step out, and it seems like they're really getting their routes down. Whereas at the beginning of the season, it didn't seem like any of them knew how to run properly for whatever reason. We saw that last year, too, at the end of the year, and Brady was about yep. ready to pull his hair out. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you uh, something else that I honestly didn't think of until now. I forgot Sony Michelle wasn't there. I completely I, forgot. I've fallen in love with Damian Harris, and Rex Burkhead does what Rex Burkhead does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that Michelle was still injured. I mean, I knew he was on the COVID list for a week, wasn't he? And then um, and then I think he – what was it? He was he was a hamstring problem? Something like that. And so, frankly, I forgot it was – it was ha- uh, it had been going on for that long. Um, that and it doesn't help that I haven't been able to pay attention to the games as much as I would like to. Uh, yeah, but, well. uh, you know, th- such is life. Exactly. Such is life. Uh, I didn't think – I didn't – I wonder if I was going to be able to even watch the game at, at, on Monday night. I was going to the Ronald McDonald house for, uh, in Columbus, and some – I've forgotten if they have a TV in your room or not. Some, some of them do, some of them, some of them don't. So I'm like, if they have a communal TV, that's not going to happen now. <laughs> even if it was running, I'm not going out there. I have a heart condition. That's why I'm here. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So fortunately, I remember before I got there, I remember that I had watched a TV in my room prior in a prior uh, visit. So, yes, we were good on that front. But it's like, OK, I was trying to wonder and I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to watch this game? It, it may or may not have been to my detriment. that I did watch the game, but oh, well, because I finally climbed in. My dad was already asleep. He's like, well, then the game ended last night, and I had a, an, eight th- an 8 o'clock appointment. I'm like, the game ended at 11.30. He's like, okay, that's not bad. I'm like, you're telling me, okay? I'm the one that's to go through all this. <laughs> and I'm tired, okay? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, you sleep better after win than you do a loss. I don't think I was that they lost that game. I really don't. And I didn't sleep all that, all that night anyway. Irregardless of that, 
here's the big question before we get to another big question. Has Cam seemingly turned a corner, do you think? Uh, I think it's a bit hard to say, considering while well, they did play the New York Jets. But it's, 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 it's more... It is easier to say that he is because of the fact that, you know, had he... Myself, myself, and a couple of the other, uh, my former or my fellow Patriot Lab Techs at Welk, um, were were on the fence in terms of um, if Newton did not perform well against the Jets, uh, especially if they he didn't do so and they lost. We had the feeling that whether we agreed with it or not. Uh, that Cam Newton might be on his way out. Like, they might be booting him and just scrapping the season, tossing in Stidham or somebody else and and going with it. Um, Because at that point, you're not really losing much because they basically stole the man. Um, And to see him come out and throw for almost 300 yards, again, albeit against the Jets, but not turn it over. He, He was not relying on himself. You know, he, he ran it 10 times, but it seemingly it's, it was to get away from things. Cause he only got 16 yards plus two touchdowns. So um, I, I would say it doesn't hurt. Uh, and it doesn't say that he's regressing even more because again, he didn't turn the ball over and make dumb throws <laughs> like he had been. Uh, so I think mentally he's definitely turning the corner um, physically. And uh, it might be a little harder to tell because Jets, uh, but I'd, I'd lean more more that way um, I, because of the win. If he does that against the Baltimore Ravens, irregardless of result, if he plays the way he did, would it be easier to say he turned the corner? I Yeah, I would say so. If he gets these numbers and and doesn't turn the ball over, or at least doesn't, you know, errantly turn the ball over, then... Um, and if he looks the way he did to, to this week, then yeah, I think it would be much easier to say, I think he's, he's in the right place now and let's just move, you know, let's keep, keep on keeping on with the season. Um, otherwise, you know, it might be, it's, it'll still be quite hard to tell. Um, you know, but you're right, whether they win or lose, if he performs the way he did this week, I think it's comfortable to say that for he, as the player, He's turning a corner. That's fair. So we mentioned the Baltimore Ravens. I've got one more question for you before we get to that preview of the Ravens game, which I'll be honest with you, I'm not looking forward to at all, uh, considering what their strength is, and we'll get to that. Is there still hope for a playoff berth this season? Does that win against the Jets salvage the season? I don't really think so. Um, I mean, at this point, I'd rather not even see them in the playoffs. Um, my My... This goes back to my other, or my my fellow lab tech, where he was saying that, and even even one of my supervisor who is not a Patriots fan, he said at this point, and I agree with him for this because he's a Philly fan. Uh, he says at this point, I'd rather not even make the playoffs because if they don't make the playoffs, right, you you probably are going to get some higher draft stock, um, and that doesn't mean I want them to tank and lose out for the season, but I, but I, if you make the playoffs. Then you're going to get a higher, uh, a lower. You're going to be in the middle. You'll be in the. You'll yeah. be in the low, middle, high, bottom of the draft. Yeah. So you'll be, you'll be in that lower end of the uh, later round, uh, later picks of the first round. Um, 
And rather, I mean, you know, it doesn't. I feel like the picks don't matter too much because we do with new how New England picks. Um, but I can't argue with the logic there that if they make the playoffs, it kind of hurts their chances a little bit in terms of picking someone who they might have wanted. Uh, so rather, you know, I I don't think that a win against the Jets is a staple in saying, hey, yeah, they got a better chance. I I think they are as, as far away from the playoffs as they were last week. Uh, despite the record having one extra W in that column. And the Bills look really good against the Seahawks. They whipped up on them too. Yeah, and that's, I mean, granted the Patriots basically fumbled, well, literally fumbled yeah. that game away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, considering they put a whooping on who I still think are Super Bowl contenders and a most likely MVP contender in, in Wilson, um, yeah, I think that, it's Baltimore's. It is absolutely Baltimore's division to lose. Buffalo. Um, oh, sorry, Buffalo's division to lose. But it's also ba- Baltimore's. Is it also in their position to? Um, well, they have to the hold the playoff spot. They have the undefeated Steelers in their division too. They got a, they, the two games back. Yeah, but they do have a playoff spot to probably oh, hold on. No to. doubt. No uh, doubt they do. So I, I think for Buffalo, it's absolutely their division to lose. Uh, and it doesn't look like they are trying to lose it anytime soon. No. You know who the uh, seventh seed in the AFC is right now? Hmm. The Miami Dolphins. Oh, boy. Yep, the Brian Fitzpatrick slash Tua Tagovailoa Miami Dolphins or the number seven seed. They will be going to Kansas City if it were to uh, – if the season were to end today, the first round of the playoffs. Should that hold out, I bid you uh, my commiserations to every Dolphins fan. Because <laughs> that game will not end well for your team. Even though they're allowing, even though the Dolphins are allowing the fewest points per game in the NFL, wow, they're allowing that was nineteen points per game. I wasn't either until I saw it, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> but here you go. I, I'm with you. I, 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 if they beat the Ravens, then I will talk about there being a path to a playoff berth. Then mm-hmm. I will have that discussion. Until then, I can't have that discussion. Yep, I, a, I a win against fair. the Jets is is great. It's a win, and I hate the Jets. I don't, I don't hate. The here's the thing: as a Patriots fan, we don't hate anyone because we've always been better than everyone else. We don't have reason to hate you. We just don't like you, <laughs> especially in the division. Like we've owned the division the last twenty years. We don't hate the Bills. We don't hate the Jets. We don't hate the Dolphins. We just don't like them. I don't like the Jets. I'd like to make fun of them, but that's <laughs> really it. And they've given me a lot of fodder to do that with. See the 0 and 9 record they have <laughs> on pace to be worse than the uh, 0 and 16 Browns and 0 and 16 Lions. Yep, that's bad if you're being worse than the two other 0 and 16 teams in league history. But having said that, I don't, it's like okay, I don't like them, but a win over them doesn't really change a whole lot for me, it just makes me feel good. It means I can wear my uh victory in this case Tuesday. Stuff. That's all it means. Yep. Although it was kind of awkward to have a heart monitor put on underneath that, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, so we mentioned the Ravens. They come in here after beating the Colts on uh, Sunday out in uh, out in Indianapolis, twenty four to ten. And here's what the Ravens do that scares me to no end. They are a running team. The Patriots do not stop the run well. This game can honestly be over in like two and a half hours because both teams run the ball and they just keep the clock going. 
this the Sunday night game, it could very well be over by 1030. Mm-hmm. These teams, they're not going to see a whole lot of throwing in this game because it's, it's literally strength long weakness for the Patriots defense. And it's Patriots running offense against a team that sees Lamar Jackson every every day in practice. Yeah. So take your pick. Yeah. The Patriots are a seven point on a seven point home underdog. I, I that's probably fair to me. I would even go so far as ten because I think the Ravens are just that good, particularly mm-hmm. on defense. They can yeah. cause you a lot of problems, even if you even if you run the ball well. They still cause you problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's. I mean, w- this is weird looking at, but the the Ravens themselves, the rush offense is number one in the league, but the pass offense is dead last in the league. However, you know that basically evens out because. <laughs> When you got Lamar Jackson and, and, and everyone they've got back there, but the total offense, they they average twenty yards. Ah, no, sorry, fourteen yards, uh, fourteen yards a game less than New England. Um, so it, I mean, offensively, at least statistically, it's it's pretty dead even. You know, New England's got the fourth um, rushing offense in the league, uh, and also pretty much near the bottom in. Uh, pass offense with 28 but uh it's really those points per game that matter because right as we've both said yards don't get you you can have a thousand yards in a game if you don't score any points who gives a damn uh and that's where the baltimore offense it does shine uh they they're eighth in the league with 28.4 points per game while new england is 28th in the league with 20.8 points um so that's going to be that's going to be the big thing. If we get the yards, you got to get the points. You got to take the points um, because you're going to need every point. You can't uh, kick a field goal in this game and win. Yeah, exactly. You're going to need every point to to win this game. And you know, I the the last time they played, they got obliterated, and that was with Tom Brady at the helm. Uh, again, doesn't mean that Tom Brady's the difference maker necessarily there. Because uh, the wide receivers were garbage, <laughs> and um, the, I think what was it? Last time they played in Gillette was something like four years ago, and I think that was—I would have to imagine that was a Patriots victory. Yes, yeah, the Patriots won that game four years ago at Gillette. So, uh, but they don't have any fans, so that probably doesn't matter at all. Whether they're in Gillette or in Mexico or somewhere the else, the only thing would be getting no on a plane for them. That's it. Yeah, that's about it. Here's the thing: the Ravens, the Ravens have yet to beat a team that we're sure are good. They beat the Browns, and the Browns don't have Odell Beckham anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's the Cleveland Browns. Okay, that, that that those words should lead you to believe something catastrophic will happen at some point this season. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Something Absolutely. within the organization will end up falling in on itself, and they will collapse. They beat the Texans. The at that point, one point, like zero and four Texans. Mm-hmm. They got manhandled by the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Absolutely manhandled. They beat the Washington football team. Again, competitive, don't really know how good they are. Mm-hmm. They beat the Bengals. Again, same thing. Competitive, don't know how good they are. They beat the Eagles, and they had to hold on to beat the Eagles, and the Eagles are number one in the uh, steaming pile of garbage, NFC East. <laughs> They lost to the Steelers, and they probably should have beaten the Steelers, but they didn't. And then they beat the Colts. The Colts are were good, but the Colts have also been prone to being up and down. 
this season. They didn't play well against the Ravens, and they went down to Tennessee and whipped up the Titans last night. So if there's ever a team that's been up and down and hasn't, has yet to beat a good team, it's the Ravens. This is the chance to prove just how good you really are. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Lamar Jackson is only 8-6 and six against teams that are 500 or better. Doesn't apply to the Patriots this season. But we think the Patriots' roster, at least defensively, is pretty damn good. So it's a 500 or better defense. So you should be able to do something against this Ravens team. You just have to play well. You have to play you have to play solid on the run. If you don't, game's over. Simple as that. If they don't play well in the run, you can kiss the game goodbye because you're not going to stop them. You've only got to slow them down. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to stop Lamar Jackson, I'd like you to see a therapist. <laughs> and if they do stop Jackson, I might have to question it. Who provided sleeping pills to the Wavens? Yeah, or who <laughs> pulled the fire alarm in their hotel, or who did something. It's like, okay, which one of you massholes did this? Yep. <laughs> it was Bill. No, it wasn't Bill. Not this time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think the, uh, the Ravens will be an interesting game. Is that seven-point underdog fair to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, this is this is a game that I genuinely I, I would expect um, a beatdown, honestly. And if they have anything closer than a beatdown, I guess I will have to be happy. Yeah, they lose this game, and I'm on a field goal. I will take that. Yeah, I mean, the, but the one thing that I will say about uh, Patriots Ravens games is that they're always full of some kind of surprise. You know, they're always a fun. This is a team that throughout the years I always look forward to this game, no matter what the records, because I know it will be a hard-fought game. Agreed. Like, last year, again, they they lost by 17 points, but it was still... It was a little closer than I expected at that point. In terms of, again, I kind of expected Baltimore to just run away with it, because I knew the offensive struggles of the Patriots at that point. And then, you know, in years past, you know, they went... They played two straight AFC uh, title games and traded blows in those... You know, Baltimore going on to to win a Super Bowl in in one of the twenty twelve. Yep. Um. So these are ones that I expect to be good. A few years ago, I think actually, yeah, the twenty sixteen game. My friend and I watched that. My, my friend, the Ravens fan, he we went to uh, Boston Beanery, I think, and sat oh, there and watched that. We, we sat there and watched that game, and you know, New England was essentially running away with it before halftime. And next thing you know, it's a close game, and New England's struggling to to win it. They won it, but they they struggled for for that last half. Uh, the one thing I distinctly remember though is uh, my friend sitting there, and you know, they've got Justin Tucker, one of if not the best kicker. Actually, no, I'm going to take that one of away. He is the best kicker in the NFL right now. No um, and he, he he's lining up for a field goal. And my friend nudges me and goes, Justin Tucker's never missed a field goal this season. He is absolutely perfect. And we're, we're sitting there halfway, if not more, through the season. He said he's, he's absolutely perfect this season. Um, and as soon as he says that, the Patriots block that kick. And I, I had to let out a chuckle. <laughs> it's like, dude, have you seen the uh, Fansville commercial where uh, they <laughs> accuse the guy of jinx the kicker when he goes to court? Mm-hmm. That's your friend. Yep. 
another great Patriots uh, Ravens moment. The double, the two, the Edelman touchdown pass, the two trick plays in the 2014 division game. Mm-hmm. The one where the Patriots had a guy lining up. I think it was Nate Solder, although I don't won't quote me on that. An offensive lineman reported eligible, and no one heard the referee say on the Ravens side, and they flipped down. It's like, no, he said it. And it's up to you to figure out who didn't, who, who's eligible or not. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Then Edelman came. <laughs> I remember the story. Edelman came in with a with a shoulder wrap, like, "Oh man, I gotta keep my arms. I gotta keep my arm good." Yep. <laughs> you never know when I have to throw another one. <laughs> nope. And uh, of course, the the biggest, most infamous. Would... If you're a Patriots fan, go ahead. Oh, they were down in that game when they when Edelman chucked that ball, didn't? Weren't they? They were down fourteen twice. Yeah, in that game. Uh, so like that that was the most amazing thing. Normally, I don't see them call those types of trick plays unless they're just goofing off and basically comfortably in the lead. And you know, like you said, they were down fourteen twice in that game. I'm like, they're they're pulling out all the stops. And and well, of course that uh, that certainly paid off because they won a Super Bowl that year. Um, but that was like I, I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, no, please no. But then you know, it's Edelman throwing to. Uh, that was Amendola that caught that touchdown. I think so. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, right. okay, you know what? I don't know why I was even worried. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a trick play gets on, I'm like, oh crap. Every time. <laughs> it doesn't matter what level, high school, NFL, college, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, because there were so many things that can go wrong. But bad snap, bad hand, bad uh, throw over to Edelman. Edelman gets sacked if, it was, if a Ravens defender realized what they're doing and Mandola drops a pass and an exception is thrown. There's so many things that go wrong. It's like running a triple, a, a double reverse. Like, mm-hmm. this thing can get blown up right in your face. Yep. Another infamous Patriots-Ravens moment is from 2011, I think. They were down in Baltimore on, on Sunday Night Football, ironically enough, as, today, as uh, Sunday's game is in Foxborough. The Patriots were lining up. The Ravens were lining up to kick a game-winning field goal. It went over the crossbar. It went over the upright, mm-hmm. and it was called good because the rule is that the uprights extend forever. So if it goes over, we can't tell you if it would have bounced back or in or what. We have to count it as good. Belichick wanted to know about that. He grabbed the official, and that cost him a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the rule. I mean, you can't. You may not like it, but it, it is the rule. So yeah, so be it. But that was another one. When I think Ravens Patriots, it's the 2014 divisional and that game that I think of are the uh, are the three are the two biggest. Here's a question I just thought of top of my head: Is the Patriots Ravens rivalry the biggest rivalry for the Patriots in the modern era? Hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd wager to say yes. I mean, because of how exciting all those games have been to watch. Like the other, the other games that I loved watching were anytime it was a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady lineup. You know, oh yeah. Anytime those came up, those were fun. Of course, those were two different game uh, teams. Uh, but in terms of an actual team, I I think I would. I I don't think I could disagree. Simply because when I watch the when I know that those teams are on the schedule against each other, I I'm excited. And I know something good's going to come out of it. Something fun's going to come out of it. Even if the Patriots lose, something fun is generally coming out of that game. I'm with you. 
I'm with you. Let's move on to college. And uh, while I was undergoing a thorough cardiological cardiology cardiolo- cardiology examination, there we go. <laughs> you were following the ripping apart of the college football schedule done by one COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Would you care to elaborate? Oh boy! Uh, as every time I looked at my phone, there was a notification for this game was canceled. This game was canceled. This game was canceled. This let's pop this list up. I believe I sent a photo um, of my notifications. If not, I definitely sent a photo of the games that were canceled. You'd send me the uh, game, I think, because I didn't get so, a notification picture. Got a bunch of notifications all over the place. But to summarize, the SEC is getting torn to shreds. Uh, you got Georgia, Missouri being postponed. Texas A&M, Tennessee being postponed. Auburn, Mississippi State being postponed. Alabama versus LSU being postponed. And all I can say is LSU's got to be breathing a sigh of relief. Um, and then Ohio State, Maryland uh, in the Big Ten is um, – Canceled straight out, actually. Um, wow. Because yeah. there's no room in the Big Ten schedule yeah, uh, to yeah. move it. Y- yep. So, See the pe- this is why you don't dig your own grave, Big Ten. <laughs> you lost in Ohio. The, the exact scenario they didn't want, they got. They lost an Ohio mm-hmm. State game. Yep. Go on. And, you know, it's like, yep. And they deserved, they deserved it for their stupidity. Like, none of them deserved the COVID, of course, but. Honestly, they asked for this this exact scenario to happen, and well, there they go. They got it. Let's see if I can find any other ones in the. This is the AP Top Twenty Five. I want to see all the games. Uh, let's see if there are any other ones that have showed up while recently. You, while you do that, I'm going to uh, give you a question. How many SEC games are there being played this season? I have the answer, and you can't cheat. Don't look at that. I will not. How many SEC games are being played? Total. Yes, this weekend. This weekend. Um, let's say two. Three. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, Ole Miss. All of them are basically yawn fests. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was doing my game of the week, and I'm like, what the? What? The obvious one normally would be Bama LSU, but that's going to be a route. But that's... No, I can't pick that. That's we're going to be a route. And then I looked and I'm like, there's no other good game in this conference this week. <laughs> there's literally no other game that I look at. And like, I have to watch this game. And you know what? Uh, I, I guarantee, and I'm not going to do a Coach O voice, but I guarantee when Coach O saw that game, got postponed, I was thinking, thank God. We have another cancel as of three minutes ago. Mm. California, Arizona State. Ooh, that's the second California game to be to be uh, canceled. They haven't played yet. They lost their game against Washington last week because they're the ones that had that had an outbreak in their program, couldn't field a team. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is why you build a schedule with bye weeks set in to move games. This oh. is why you do that. Um, Pitt and Georgia Tech. Has also because Pitt has COVID uh, has a, had a COVID outbreak. I think. Wow, the one place well, you really wouldn't think that happened. Yeah, especially because they have UPMC right on their you know, on the doorstep. Right. 
It's like, well, okay then. All right. Like, I'd be like, I mean, there's, there's an outbreak in the Steelers locker room. Big Ben got put on the COVID list. Oh, dang. I did not see that. I saw that the, I think I saw that the Steelers did. I did not see that Big Ben was on the list. It's, it's a contact tracing issue with him. He's not tested positive for it. Mm-hmm. But still, you lose your quarterback. That's a big deal. Yeah. They're going up against Joey Burrow this weekend in the Cincinnati Bengals. That'll be an interesting one. Yes, it will. I mean, I know the Bengals haven't been an amazing team overall, but Joe Burrow apparently has been playing quite well. I love given what his situation. Joe doing. I love, I love me some Joe Burrow, man. I, I cannot wait to watch him for years to come. I really can't. He's going to be fun to watch. He may well win a Super Bowl by the time he's done. In Cincinnati or somewhere else, I'm going to call it. Joe Burrow lifts the Lombardi Trophy at some point in his career. You heard it here. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) Yes, you did. But uh, is any more games you got out there on the uh, on the? I have not seen any one of them. Any other ones pop up in my scrolling, other than those. But I will keep scrolling for a second, just in case. All right. So again, this is why if you're the Big Ten and Pac-12, and the Pac-12 had more issues than the Big Ten did. The Big Ten, basically, from the second it said we want to cancel. The uh, the everyone else besides the university president said, no, we don't want to cancel. We want to keep playing. The Pac-12 had uh, people in state governments and universities basically putting their foot down and say, no. It was only by having the 15-minute testing that they even got a clearance to begin practicing, let alone playing. So yeah. the Big Ten was always going to be ahead of the Pac-12 in terms of coming out and, and starting to play, and they were. They were two weeks ahead. But the Big Ten should have put a uh, – sort of start, sort of st- should have started a week prior than they did. They should have started on the 17th of October and had an extra bye week in, built into the season, A, just because they play eight games in eight weeks is tough on anyone regardless of COVID, and two, mm-hmm. uh, if I need to, I can move a game then. Now you've only got one week. Uh, they don't even have any week. To, uh, to play. It's declared a no contest to see if the game didn't even happen. The Pac-12 is in the same boat because their conference championship game is on December 19th, the day before the playoff committee meets to determine the final four. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. You need to have a, a, uh, a week in which to play canceled or postponed game. One will be canceled at that point. Postponed games. It's just smart. And honestly, if you're playing a seven-game schedule in the Pac-12, why even worry about the playoff? You're not going to get in. There's, if USC runs table and goes 7-0, they're not getting in because you're going to have one loss SEC teams and one loss Big Ten teams and one loss Big 12 teams lining up and saying we should be in, and they would have a legitimate argument for you uh, over mm-hmm. you. Why even bother at this point? Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> now, I'd say another scheduling conundrum the SEC has painted itself into this is the second LSU game that's been postponed. LSU Florida was postponed earlier this season. That's right, it was. There's only one week in which to make up games before the SEC championship game. Which mm-hmm. game? Which game gets? Which, which game gets played and which game doesn't? That's, yeah, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, it. I would say Bama gets played because it's an SEC division game. It's the same division as the SEC West, but really that game might not even matter. 
because Bama might have won the division by the time that game comes around anyway, and they don't really need to go play it. And they might say, "But we don't want to play LSU. We want to, you know, we want to get get ready to play Florida, or whoever in the SEC championship game." And if and if Florida ends up winning the SEC East because they beat Georgia uh, last week, does Georgia want to go? Does Florida want to go play LSU? They want to go play LSU before playing Alabama. I wouldn't. It's a tune-up game, but it's still a chance that you may have players going down injured game. Yeah, especially in COVID, where you don't know where they've been. I. I I don't think either LSU game gets played, but if it does, if the SEC sends down an edict that says someone's going to play this week, who plays? Mm-hmm. This is the problem that college football ran into. The Big Ten lost Ohio State, which is the one, honestly, it's, and you can believe this or not, but I fully believe the Big Ten only came back because of Ohio State because Ryan Day ran his mouth and said it's the best team he's ever been around in any level <laughs> at any time. And they were like, well, hey, if he's right, we can win the national championship. Screw all you guys. We don't care about Wisconsin, Michigan. All we got to, y'all, you only serve one purpose, to make sure Ohio State wins this conference. So I, college football is painting itself into a corner massively. With yep. this, and they're going to have to find a way out of it. I don't know if they will. That makes sense. Well, they will. But in true college football fashion, it won't make a damn bit of sense. <laughs> yep. yep. You're absolutely correct there. And we both love the sport, but sometimes it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. You know what else doesn't make a, you know what else doesn't make a damn bit of sense? What? How West Virginia lost at Texas. Yep. I, I still don't know at all. For one, look. <laughs> I don't like criticizing uh, coaching decisions. This is not my thing. But the decisions to go for two, for, to go for it on fourth down, set kicking field goals, loom really large in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally lost in the game. So had they kicked those two field goals, they'd have been up at the end of the game and forcing Texas to to make the come from behind, you know, victory. Although knowing Sam Elliott, then actually may have worked out for them. Yeah. It's- True, but I'd rather, much rather force them to have to do that. Same. And then, but it also it didn't help that it, it seems like every single time the Mountaineers play Texas, there's always absolutely horrible, ridiculously just garbage esque officiating. I don't know why it's specifically Texas. I mean, the Big Twelve is notorious for horrible officiating anyway, but it always just gets amplified by an entire magnitude when WVU and Texas are playing, and I don't understand why. I have a theory, but it will paint the Big 12 in a bad light, so I won't say it. <laughs> I already paint the Big 12 in a bad light, at least <laughs> when I'm talking to my dad. <laughs> I, honestly, I absolutely hate the Big 12, but you know, like I, every, time, every time that we're sitting in a situation where the Big 12 could have a, a, a player, or a a player, so to speak, in the college football playoffs, I say, screw them. Why do I give a single damn if the Big 12 has, an, has a team in the, in the college football playoffs? I do not care. I don't want them in there because they're a Big 12 team. I do not support a single Big 12 team. I'm not going to sit there and go, yeah, go, go Oklahoma because you're in the playoffs. I have no loyalty to, to anyone in the Big 12. My loyalty, is to the, my loyalty is to the old biggies. Long live the American. <laughs> That's you know, at least at least with the 
with that, you know, with the Big East, I, you had things to be excited about because they were always, always good games, and you never, you never doubted that half the league was going to be ranked and upsetting people that you know you didn't expect them to upset. Oklahoma, uh, when when it comes to the Big Twelve, it's Oklahoma, Texas, and anyone else can screw off. Pretty much. Who's the big? It's like the Big Twelve doesn't exist essentially to anyone's uh, to anyone unless it's Oklahoma and Texas, and that's one of the main reasons why I can't stand the Big Twelve because it doesn't seem like anyone can get off of these teams, um, uh, get off of these teams. I was gonna say backs, but I was like that doesn't really that seems like they're criticizing them. Yeah. Point is they they can't get off the bandwagon. On there those we go. Teams. There we go, and. I, I, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm absolutely sick and tired of it. And it just seems to be amplified when – I don't know why when the Mountaineers play. There's always some calls that you're like, those 100% should have went the Mountaineers' way. Like not to be biased, but it was obvious. I mean a, a friend showed me a, a – Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, world-renowned physicist, questioning the call of that backwards pass. That was not a backwards pass. Right. Apparently. It's like, okay. It's like, and then the camera angles were absolutely atrocious. Like, you're going to give me an angle, like a 30 degree angle from behind to view that backwards pass, to determine if it's a backwards pass? You can't, you can't, you can't make a judgment call on that for either, for, for either side. If you're not having a straight down the line, I can see this guy throwing backwards. Everyone saw him throw it backwards. So I don't know, I don't know what the question was. It wasn't there a play on the goal line where they didn't have a goal line camera? Yeah, exactly. Like it was, they they were doing it some weird angle, and you're like, have a have, isn't the whole point to have a, a, a eyes down the goal line they, so you can see where that ball is? They love touting their pylon cam. Like, why don't you use it? Yeah, it's like I mean, I, it doesn't take a, it shouldn't take someone with a microscope to zoom in at, at, at a million times um, zoom to see what that ball is at this weird angle. I mean, I don't even remember if it was a Texas scoring a touchdown or WVU trying to score a touchdown. I don't either, point. honestly. But the point was, it, was, it, it should have been pretty easy to tell that that was most likely a touchdown. Like, you see these things enough on TV and you'd think the referees see these things enough to have a pretty good judgment in saying, yeah, that's most, that's probably, more probable than not, a touchdown. Uh, like, yeah. I know the Tom's inconclusive, but really, that, that Tom's, screw that Tom. <laughs> because no one even really uses it. When things are blatantly obvious in front of their face, they put on their shaders and say, I didn't see anything. Well, you know what the what term is about? in replay, right? Mm-hmm. Indisputable video evidence. Yeah. Oh yeah, indisputable. I said inconclusive. Indisputable. Yes. And but but that's that comes. My point still stands there. And they they say, oh, it's got to be indisputable. And when there is indisputable evidence, they they they'll time. There will a lot of times that more often than there should be where they're like, duh, I didn't see it. It gets frustrating. I mean. Especially when you call something one way, and then you definitely need that indisputable evidence to overtone it. And even then, you're not you're questioning it, and then they still overtone it. It's like that wasn't indisputable. What are you talking about? I'll, I'll give you a a line to describe officiating the Big Twelve: seven blind mice. Yep. And here's something else: the the game the play that stuck out to me, and arguably lost West Virginia game. 
the non the pass interference that wasn't called in the end zone on that final drive. Oh, exactly. That there's, there's no way that's not pass interference. Like it was DPI the, the whole way. They're right there in front of the 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 ref. The dude. This is the play where the guy basically pulled him. He put his put his right arm around the the side of the receiver and basically pulled him in some way. Not he was hugging him and then he pulled him. Yeah. So that ball was in. That ball was catchable. So you can't use that argument. And two, the guy was blanketing him way more than he should. And I've said this all season. For some reason, West Virginia receivers are being absolutely obliterated in ways that they should not be. And nothing ever gets called. I'm with you. And it's a shame, too. It's like, guys, we've been in the league now for eight years. It's about time you get rid of this new kid on the block uh, notion you have. We're a legitimate member. We get TV revenue from this conference now. We've been there. We've competed. Uh, women's basketball has won the damn Big 12 tournament before. Mm-hmm. Okay? Men's basketball always does well. Women's soccer competes, continues to beat every single one of you. Let's accept West Virginia as a real member here, and let's actually compete. And let's actually uh, not let them compete. Let's actually call the games correctly. Yep. Like, there shouldn't be, and I, I'll say this overall in the NCAA, there shouldn't be situations where there, there, apparently there was a game recently. I remember sp- seeing it pop up, and I thought this thought came to my head. There should not be a situation where you make a call, and two days later you have to s- make an announcement. Yeah, we, we screwed that call up. The other team probably should have won. There should be absolutely no scenario where that has to happen. That was the Tulsa ECU game. Yep. There should ECU, be no scenario. ECU, Tulsa won that game. They had to apologize to ECU. Like, there are... I get that there are there are situations, and they, they try to have officiating be a little quick with it so it doesn't ruin the, the uh, speed of the game or the pacing of the game. But if there's a call that you genuinely do not feel comfortable making one way or the other until you know you have the... you have you know, all the evidence suggesting you should make the call one way or the other... If it's that hard of a call, they don't ha- they don't happen nearly to the level at which um, I would imagine it would to really throw off the game all the time. Like the, with the one like that, if you have to sit there and decide, yes, this is the right call, t- take it. I, I can't imagine it's going to be happening every single game, and I, most of the time it does not. But if if you have to sit there and question, am I going to have to make an apology statement tomorrow if I make this call? You probably should hold off on making that call for me. What, what I would do in terms of replay, what is the three things that can happen in replay? The call gets overturned, the call stands, or the call is confirmed, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't overturn it and you can't confirm it, just keep the play stands because that's the original call on the field. Don't change it if you don't have any evidence that is supported. Mm-hmm. walk away from it and say, you know what, the play stands, that tells you, well, there wasn't enough there to overturn it, but we didn't have enough to confirm it either. We have to go with it. And you know what else? I've heard this said a few times, and I agree with it. Let's put a time limit on uh, on replay. You get a minute and a half or something like that. You get a minute. Because if it's truly indisputable, you don't have to look at it from 85 different angles. Oh, really? yeah, absolutely. If it's that obvious, you shouldn't have to take that long. I, mean, I, I, I don't disagree there at all. Because how many times have we seen like a four to five minute review and we're just like, can we get on with the game now? Okay. Yep. We've seen this from 85 different angles. I've seen this 85 different times. I know what my mind is and I 
I'm a 24-year-old kid with a hunchback and glasses, okay? I'm not a professional <laughs> referee. I should be able to figure – if I can figure this out, so can you. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and I think they need to they need to really clear up certain angles. They need to make it easier to get shots on certain angles. And, again, we, we complained about that all day during the Texas game. Well, that's partially that – these the, angles were dumb. That's the portion of the broadcast truck. Sometimes stadiums yeah. – older stadiums like Texas aren't exactly built to accommodate TV. Sometimes your angle is a little bit off. But uh, yeah. but it's not. There are ways around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it especially like I said, if it's coming down to there, you've got a a a camera that is behind the play, trying to determine if it's a backwards pass or not. It's such an angle that you can't actually tell. What good is that review? It isn't. I mean, it was called a fumble to begin with, right? It was ruled as a fumble, right? And by that weird-ass video, that wasn't indisputable. No. You can't confidently say that, yeah, that angle means that it's a forward pass or not, unless you're a physicist who can take the time and do it, like Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. But, but you know, your, your average officiate, uh, officiating uh, crew member uh, probably isn't well-versed in physics and doesn't have the time, and even if he is, probably doesn't have the time to sit there and calculate it. We need to have a physicist stationed at every college football game now. Just text a physicist <laughs> in the university that they're at. Just like, doctor, I want you to stay here this whole game. We'll pay you a boatload of money. Well, not boatload. We'll pay you something. And uh, <laughs> can you stay the whole game? And you're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> That's what we need. That's what we need. We need a physicist at every, at every college football game now. Also, <laughs> yep. if this happens in Detroit, do not piss off Patricia. He is a rocket scientist. He can figure this shit out. <laughs> exactly. And I excuse my excuse my French. It just slipped out. But yes, he can figure it out. Patricia, being the rocket scientist that he is, can probably figure it out. Yep. We're moving on. Yep. <laughs> Specifically to TCU, the formerly thought of as the biggest rival to West Virginia makes its way to Morgantown. They're not doing so hot this year down in Fort Worth. But it's still a Gary Patterson coach defense. It's still TCU West Virginia. WVU is a three-point favorite at home with an, under, with an over-under of 45 points. I ask you this. Is that three-point spread favorite, and do we meet the over-under? So 45 points yes. was the over-under? Yes. Hmm. I, I think both will fail. I think a three-point – because I, I, I'm looking at this – or I looked at this game – uh, two weeks ago, and I thought, honestly, I can't tell one way or the other who's going to win this game because of the fact that you know the Mountaineers haven't been too crazy, and TCU, I don't, I don't know how to pin them down I, as you know what they <laughs> what really their strengths are. I don't think anyone does. I don't think they do. So it it, it really is a toss up. I think the three point home advantage you know spread is prob is is fail. Uh, I I think that they definitely could uh, top. 45, uh, 45 points combined there in this game. I'm with you. I, 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 I generally go with the over anyway. I don't often pick the under. TCU is 3-3. Three and three. They lost their non-conference game uh, due to COVID. I believe it was their COVID as well. Um, they, uh, they've lost a three-point game to Iowa State. No shame in that. They beat Texas by two. They lost to Kansas State by seven. They lost to Oklahoma for 33-14. Uh, 
And they come in on a two-game winning streak, having beaten Baylor uh, by 10 and Texas Tech 34 to 18. So they're playing the better of the two of the two teams right now. But here's the problem: teams are scoring on them. Teams aren't exactly scoring a whole lot on West Virginia. That might be what swings this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the the. I think the important thing for them is is stymieing that one game because TCU's one game is probably the one thing that at least in the last couple of weeks has definitely been strong. Um, they've they've been <laughs> pushing over 250 yards rushing uh, in those two victories, uh, and that's that's definitely something you want to keep. Uh, Stills bro's got to check. Eat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they this defense even in losses they've been they've been quite hungry and i frankly i think the stills brothers as usual are going to cause some problems they have to if they don't they won't win the game mm-hmm. if that if they don't clog up that middle and dare tcu to throw it good luck even if the yep. offense plays well cuz but you know you can score and move the ball on tcu that's going to be the problem yep it's going to be Keeping this game in your ballpark and not letting it get into a traditional Big Twelve track meet. Yep. Yeah. It. I mean, the 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 stats right here. Like I like to refer to Athlon Sports with these matchups. Um, Mountaineers. The Mountaineer defense allows three point two six yards per carry. They are really. They're quite good at stopping the run. So that's that's. They got to keep doing that. Especially on a team who's explosive like that, and yeah. I'm gonna flip this as well. The Mountaineers need to rely on the one just a little bit more. I we've said it in the past, and we we will continue saying it. Daigie or any quarterback really should not have to be throwing the ball 50 times a game. Even if he's doing it well, he shouldn't have to do it. This it, it I don't know what Letty Brown's status is in terms of his health. I know he wasn't fully mm-hmm. healthy on Saturday against Texas. This to me should be Alex Singfield's coming out party. Mm-hmm. If we're going to run the ball like they should, and and Letty Brown can't give you his normal workload, give it to Alex Singfield and Tony Fields and say, "Boys, it's your chance. Go take this by the reins." Yep. Yeah, definitely. What is C- I mean, what is CCU's um, rushing yards per game offensively? Uh, Offensively, overall, uh, if West Virginia is averaging like three point two six yards given up per game, I wonder what uh, or per carry. What's TCU's uh, per game? Let's see, team stats rushing um, average per game one eighty four point five. Okay, that's pretty good. Average per attempt four point four. Okay, that's pretty good. I meant I actually bespoke. I meant to say per attempt, per attempt, but I said per game. That's still pretty good, though. Both of them are. Mm-hmm. It's strength on strength here. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Another and game the, that could be over in two and a half hours. Yeah. the The important part is WV's rushing defense. Like I said, is is seems seemingly quite good. Uh, the The flip side is. Uh, the Horned Frogs are are giving up over four yards per rush, um, and that is right now seventy third. And the Mountaineers themselves have played the the other four teams in the Big Twelve that are worse off in rushing defenses and put racked up over one hundred and fifty yards in each of those games. So, 
I mean, his, just based on those couple games, it should be another feast for the running backs. And I hope it is. I agree. I mean, I, I think this, I think we just basically gave you the key to the game, run the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the key for West Virginia the entire season. It's going to have to be. Yep. One thing I'm, I'm cautious about, and I'm always cautious about this, this is the last game before your bye week. Do not get so caught up in that week off next week that you overlook this game. How many times does that happen, particularly at the college level, where people get into a bye week and they get all excited about it and they just fall flat on their face? Yep. You have to avoid that this game. I agree. All right. So that's the football. Well, that's what is the football show. That's our preview and review and all that portion of our program. Now we come to our hell of a story. And this one hurts a hell of a lot for me. On Sunday, the world said goodbye to Alex Trebek, the longtime and beloved host of Jeopardy, of which I am going to just basically say that I was a huge fan. My dad and I would watch Jeopardy going up. Uh, every weeknight at 7.30, we would go back and we would watch it. And it was something we did together. And then my dad and I are, are, are close anyway. But it was just something we did together and we both enjoy it. And we still do to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. At 7.30, if I'm watching whatever. I have, I have actually uh, st- um, stopped watching playoff hockey games for Jeopardy and come back up and then come back to the game. And whenever Jeopardy is over, because it's such a big part of my life. And so in tribute to Alex Trebek, I could go on and on about it, but I'm not really going to. We figured that we would take the category called Patriot Games in December 2019. And I would read the clues off to Darren and see if he can give me the correct response. So, Darren, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. I'm not going to give you the dollar amounts because it doesn't really matter. We're going in order. Are you telling me I'm not winning money from this? Dan? <laughs> if I had money to give you, I wouldn't be giving it to you. I'd be giving it for myself. <laughs> this head coach has led the New England Patriots to victory in six Super Bowls. Gasp. I have no idea. No, no. Uh, would you like me to answer it in typical Jeopardy fashion? Yes, I would. I, uh, who is Bill Belichick? Correct. <laughs> On October 11, 1963, the Red Sox weren't playing. It was the Patriots' first game at six seasons at this home field. Oh, I forget the name of that field. They, so they, they, the Red Sox weren't playing. Yes. Okay, so... All right, never mind. I think I know the name. Uh, what is Fenway Park? Correct. Yeah. So I, was saying, I was like, wait a second. I'm thinking football. I should be thinking baseball fields. Yes. In his NFL debut in 2000, this quarterback completed one of three passes in a 34-9 loss to Detroit. He got better. <laughs> he got better. Oh, who's Tom Brady? Correct. On a cold 1982 day, Mark Henderson used a small John Deere to make the kicker's job easier in what became known as the This Machine Game. You say that again? Yes. On a cold 1982 day, Mark Henderson used a small John Deere to make the kicker's job easier in what became known as the This Machine Game. This Machine Game. Uh, I, I know the game. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what, it's, what the question is there. Uh, well, I mean, what my question is. Fair, fair enough. In that case, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm not sure. What is the snowplow game? Oh, that, see, that's what I thought he was asking. But I was like, wait a second. I, is it asking something? Oh, is it answering something else? Or is it, <laughs> Fair like, enough. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking of saying, though. Cause it, yeah. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> I let's, had it. I just wasn't sure. It was let's, see if you can wrap, let's see if you can end on a good mm. note here. Let's wrap it up uh, this on a good note. The Patriots win in the 2019 AFC title game. Came one day shy of 25 years since this man bought the team. One day shy of... Uh, who is Robert Kraft? Correct. Four for five, not bad. Ha-ha, I should have been five for five. Should have just said well, it anyway. You did, but you did better than what you did the last time you played Jeopardy. That is true. <laughs> I made up a, uh, a, a, a category which I have yet to share with uh, the man, but I, may, I made up a category based on our friend, our friend Brian's YouTube channel. I've yet to share it because mostly because I know what the responses are going to be. <laughs> Get that out of my face. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, I've, I did, in fact, uh, make a category. I asked Darren to play it. He did out three for five then. Overall, not too bad. Uh, not, uh, let's see, what is that? That's seven of ten. Wait, yeah, that's not bad. Over that really isn't. That's seventy percent. That's about what I am in terms of my college football picks this year. I think I'm at like seventy-two <laughs> percent in getting games right this year. Nice. Yep. So that's our show. We do want to send our condolences to the Jeff- to the uh, Trebek family in this difficult time. His wife Jean and his us uh, and his uh, children. For uh, for for a week that was up and down for me, Jimmy Johnson said goodbye to NASCAR full time on the same day Trebek died. I went to Columbus and had two uh, three appointments in one day. Come back and uh, and doing all this, it wasn't all that bad a week, but it was up and down. I think to say the very least. <laughs> but here we are. We made it. Another episode of the books is number twenty seven for us. Mm-hmm. That it is. Number 27, we have finally made it. We're almost to 30. When we get to 30, the quality of our shows just go downhill like a running back. We'll start be like, okay, we're finally hitting our good strand, and then now all of a sudden these shows are bad again. For Darren, I'm Lucas. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with a review of the Patriots and the Ravens, as well as West Virginia TC, hoping for wins in both. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody.